0: Tom Brady has retired, again, and we brought in some help to break it all down. This is Iceman & Coach. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Iceman and Coach. It is me, Matt Freights, the Iceman, and the coach, Brad Powell, is with us. Coach, how you doing, my man? As I always like to
1: say, it brings a smile to my face to see that Bush light flag right behind you. Iceman, the pleasure, as always, is all mine. I am doing well here. This may be the last time you see me in this setting. I've got some goodies on the way. There may be a transformation taking place this week to the little home studio. Other than that, it's been sort of a a slow and quiet week here at the coach's compound nothing too exciting but no sometimes you know on that front no news is good news on the same front we're not alone today either We are
0: not alone today. We actually brought in some help because when a player of Tom Brady's caliber retires twice in a lifetime, we need to bring a guy in who knows eras of football and can break it all down for us. So today, special guest, friend of the show, friend of me, too, is the co-host of political football, Cleve Wayson. Cleve, welcome to the show. Again, my man, but the first time as this three-man wolf.
1: Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, coach? Cleve doing well, man. Good to see you.
2: Good. Good to be seen. Good to be seen. Hey, man. um, I just got tip shame. As in? Went to pick up take. Yeah, went to pick up takeout. And I don't know if this is a thing or, you know, you guys can enlighten me or not. But uh, picking up your own takeout the guy asks for like, you know, you run your card or whatever. The tip thing comes up and I'm like, you know, I automatically go to zero. And the guy like looks at me like, how dare you push zero when we're bringing your food from the counter from the back counter to the front counter.
1: Is that a thing now? So was this one of those iPad deals where they put it in and flip it around for you to choose your tip on the screen? Okay. some yep, yeah, something similar to that. So that's one thing. I realized those are everywhere right now. And there are concessions that, you know, I go to the Bradley games, they're there. You go to the Notre Dame games, they're there. They're everywhere. And never in my life have I tipped a concession worker, but they basically... Force you into it. I I don't know if the software is set up to automatically do that or whatever. And I'm a coward, man. I'm such a coward. I like ten oh. percent or whatever. It gives you the options, you know, 10, 15 Or I've gone into places that pick up takeout where they just give you the receipt, and I like don't, because they're always standing there watching you, and I just don't have the balls, man, to to write the zero down. I'll be honest. No,
2: nah, I I locked eyes, slaved warhead. I'm like, it's a zero. Like you just brought food for literally three feet fuck you you're not getting that it, it but I, but i was on the spot where the guy like looked at me is as, as he's as i'm signing it and i see like the whole tip thing and i'm like is he expecting a tip here and he's, he's like he's locking eyes with me i'm like is this and i just put zero and it's like gave me like this look and i'm like just give me my food
0: No, he's like Rob Schneider in Home Alone 2 when he holds his hand out for Kevin to give him a tip and he gives him that like fruit stripe gum I mean that's basically what you just did to the guy but I will say this I'm generally an over tipper especially for things like delivery and so forth because I feel like hey you're delivering my food to my home I'm way too fucking lazy to go out and get it but if we go to the store I'm actually making the effort to go to the store and all you're doing is sliding the food across the counter that to me is not tip worthy because I know that you're making well more than minimum wage generally speaking the people that you tip are the people that are not making that kind of money and you're kind of giving them a little bit you know a little bit extra because you know they're not making that much and they're doing something that you yourself can't do like I remember when I got into college and my friend said I don't tip my hairdresser and I'm like what the fuck are you doing like this person is cutting your hair you could look like total shit when you leave here but because of them you look good how are you not tipping that person so as somebody who generally over tips especially at the holidays I do have a line there and it does bother me a little bit because when they flip it around, it's like, no, I'll take a paper receipt. Like, we don't even have to have to answer this question. Wow. So
1: let me, let me add a layer to this, okay? I heard this line for the first time on what would have been Saturday. Or no, Wednesday. Last Wednesday night, Bradley game. And I go up there. You know, me and my dad have a routine. We go in the door. We go up to the line. I get him a, a regular root beer, and I get two bush lights. I mean, it's just clockwork, standing order. And the young lady that, you know, is operating the iPad as she spins it around she rattles off this spiel at me that I have not heard ever and she said something along the lines of and very quickly the tips that are placed on this device do not go to me however I do accept cash tips like something <laughs> wow. like that so and then I'm thinking like hold on a minute I'm like all these devices on here that people are probably tipping on because they're like me and just don't have the balls to to zero it out like you Cleveland. and hey and i'm not throwing shade at you at all you're the hero we all need on this i mean but i'm like where's all that money going i mean is the vendor that's operating the concession stand just raking that all in and putting people under the false impression that it's going to the person behind the counter or whatever and I, i was just shocked when she said that
2: I mean, to Matt's point, I'm not a I'm not an over tipper. I tip commensurate with the with the level of service. I once had a guy follow me into the parking lot years ago when I was you know younger and um to like to my car and says, hey, uh, was there something wrong? And I'm like, no, everything was fine. He's like, you didn't tip me enough. And I'm like, are you are you kidding me? <laughs> It was, you know, and then uh, put me on a spot and, you know, gave him a couple more bucks. But I'm like the whole tipping shame, I guess, is with COVID ending and or not ending or whatever that the industry took such a hit. Maybe that this is their way of making up that. Uh that lost revenue, but I just, I just felt like it's, I think you're right, coach. When someone swings that thing in front of you and you're like online with other people, you're on the spot, spotlight's on you. Like, hey, what are you gonna do here? And I'm like, you know what? Zero it out, I'm that guy.
0: If you're the hero that people need, you need to do like Joe Burrow, have ice in your veins and just be like, nah. Give him the old <laughs> five finger non-discount, nah, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we could debate tipping all day long. And we all know, Cleve, that you threw a brick at the guy after he confronted you in the parking lot, a la Chris Moltisanti from The Sopranos, obviously. (laughs) And speaking of gangsters, Tom Brady retired. So Tom retired for now the second time. And I joked at the top of the show that you don't generally see these people retire more than twice. And we've gotten to see Tom Brady retire twice the first time. I think was leaving the door open. There was a lot of shenanigans taking place. I think this time is for good. What generally happens in this particular instance is we see people taking shots at people out the door, trying to compare legacies, everything. Instead of just appreciating what we have seen, which is the greatest quarterback, probably of our generation, one of the greatest winners ever, we're taking shots at him left and right. And I thought this was a perfect time to bring this up because the Hall of Fame class is coming up very, very shortly, they're down to the finalist list, but Tom has a lot to talk about. We could probably do a whole mini series on Tom and his achievements over the course of his career, And I think that maybe this isn't quite what he expected, but he's really going out on top if you think about how he was playing at age 45. So Cleve, I wanna get your thoughts on Tom as a lifelong Jets fan who watched him basically carve them up Sunday after Sunday, year in, year out for 20 fucking years
2: so obviously um, Tom's is just like most people you don't appreciate it till it's about over and I got it to kind of like root for the guy I can't believe as a Jets fan I'm saying it out loud but just the accomplishments because um, I believe the guys had three Hall of Fame careers if we want to if we want to put it into into uh, into his life um, chapters there um, and just to kind of go on what guys do with retirement um, Sugar Ray Leonard with ret- uh, retired seven times just for for you to know and and that's coach that's a real thing guy seven times announced retirement and just kept coming back for whatever reason but anyway with Tom it's a special thing I think for doing what he has done for so long and the sacrifices that he has made his family has made his friends has made you know it it, it is time to go out to Matt's point I don't see it as he could have went out with the Super Bowl he could have rode off into the sunset and just been done with it and and that's it. But to let Todd Bowles define your last season, technically, and to go out the way they went out, I, I personally wouldn't have wanted that. I wouldn't have wanted that. And um, I wonder if he's going to retire as a Patriot or a Buck.
1: I think that he's kind of the victim of the way the last couple of years has played out. Right? If he would have won another Super Bowl after he came back, everyone would have been like, "Oh man, look at this guy. He's a legend." I mean, he retires, comes back, wins another Super Bowl, but. Just the fact that his life, especially his personal life, played out so publicly with the divorce and then, you know, the season itself. I mean, he didn't play that poorly. I mean, he was still playing at a high level, especially considering his age, but just the whole dynamic there in Tampa. It was just kind of a, a dysfunctional situation from the get-go, beginning to end. And I think that's kind of tainted it a little bit, not in a serious way. And two, three years from now, we won't even remember any of this. You know, we'll just be looking back on Tom Brady being great. But, you know, with recency bias and seeing what it is right now, I can see why people are critical, but I think that will fade and he'll ultimately be remembered um, as the legend that he is, as the greatest of all time.
0: thing about it though, is so few guys in these gladiator sports get to choose how they go out. Cleve talked about Sugar Ray Leonard retiring seven times. In boxing and combat sports in general, mostly the ring retires them. And it's a bad incident that retires them. And Tom, while maybe not having the success he was used to his first ever losing season in his last season, he was playing at a high level. I would say he was probably playing at a top 15, top 10 level still. At the end of the day he got to choose how he went out and he didn't go out on his back the way a lot of players do via injury getting too old getting benched he never held a clipboard after he took the reins in 2001 and i think that that is a very special thing and if you ask a lot of these guys who probably went out with a whimper they would actually probably take what tom went through outside of what they ended up having to go through when a lot of these guys are broken Mm -hmm. and tom is getting to actually retire in relatively good in a relatively good place. And maybe, yes, his personal life needs a little bit of fixing, but now he can take the time to do that. But he got to go out in his own way, and that's very, very rare at his age, at age 45.
1: Yeah, I agree with that completely. And I think one thing, a dynamic that's come to mind as we've been having this conversation, you know, as we talk about Tom Brady, you brought up Sugar Ray Leonard, right? and it makes me think that the greats are the ones that seem to have the hardest time walking away you know you look at jordan now granted there's just some conspiracy there of what that may be entailed uh far right was kind of in and out you know you had brady here now far we could argue if he's a great i guess but i feel like the guys that are at the top you know at the top of the mountain are the ones that seem to have the hardest time walking away and staying away and I feel like maybe even in the NFL, not so much retiring and unretiring, but hanging on longer than they should seems unique to the quarterback position. I feel like a lot of other positions, you know, when their time comes, they leave and maybe it's because the game is more physical for a lineman or a running back. And so their body really does, you know, like you say, the ring retires them in a way and quarterbacks, you know, especially the way we protect them these days, they convince themselves that they can still do it at a high level. And most of them can to, for the most part in the right situation. It's just an interesting dynamic, I think, to think about, not even just in football, but across all the sports. So
0: the other day, obviously, when he retired or made the announcement, I can't remember what day it was at this point, it all sort of blends into itself, but if you went on television, every single show was talking about Tom Brady. Now there are some shows in television that get off on being inflammatory, and I think First Take is one of those. And on the day Brady retires, it just so happens that First Take has Mike and the Mad Dog on with Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) And they asked Mike Francesa, who is a longtime sports radio broadcaster, probably made sports radio what it is today. So I'm going to hand him his flowers before I take a shit on him. (laughs) He then was asked a question about Brady and whether he was the greatest. And I think we discussed this a little bit offline via text, but he basically said that Peyton Manning was the best regular season quarterback he'd ever seen. And Joe Montana was the best Super Bowl quarterback he'd ever seen. And this is kind of the thing that i'm talking about and i want to get into a larger picture here is when you're talking about comparing greatness because Cleve, you and i also had a discussion about whether championships matter and yes if you're talking about comparing every single player within the entire history of the nfl sure there's a lot of people who won super bowls who aren't nearly as good as the people that didn't win super bowls like larry fitzgerald is great and the sixth guy on the lions or the sixth guy on any team that won a super bowl i can't believe i just said the lions they never won a super (laughs) bowl anyway they're obviously not as good. But when you're talking about comparing greatness, like, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, these guys are all in the same category. I think objectively speaking, we'd all put them in the same category. And then what differentiates them? What makes them great? And that's what I want to ask you guys. And coach, you can start first. Like, how do you define greatness when you're talking about comparing guys and contemporaries at the same level?
1: Well, let's just say for the sake of this argument, if you're going to take championships out of the equation and just put these three guys next to each other and their body of work in a a season, a regular season, I think that what kind of, is it a loss sometimes or we overlook is the cast that's around them or maybe the coaches they have at their disposal with a guy like Peyton Manning. I think what helped him a lot was sort of was the pedigree, the Manning family pedigree a little bit. He was a little more mentally mature, I think, and prepared to play the position because his father was an NFL quarterback. Uh, Drew Brees is a little bit of an anomaly because physically he's undersized. Uh, He played at Purdue and they were, they went, I'm pretty sure they went to the Rose Bowl when he was there. I mean, but he wasn't Um, you know, competing for national championships. He wasn't, you know, doing any of those things you saw to Peyton Manning. And then Tom Brady, you know, gets, you know, he's buried on the bench for a while at Michigan, always competing for a starting spot. You know, he didn't come out of college highly touted at all. And then goes into the NFL and blows up. And when you stack these guys up next to each other, like I said, if you're not going to consider championships, I think it's really hard to define or pinpoint what makes one greater than the other. I think that you could say what makes the three of them greater than everyone else would be that it factor, right? That championship pedigree. There is something about the way they are wired that loves adversity, that loves competing, like on a much, much higher level than your average athlete of any kind and if anyone could really answer what that is you'd have a lot more people like that but the fact that it is such a rare thing is why we celebrate these types of guys
2: i thought Francesca's comments were criminal at best matt knows this because we talked extensively offline about it and i know coach you're you're a colts fan so you know your guy is manning but tom being the 199 round six guy is kind of what makes my argument valid here for for me at least because you don't get a guy that does that that has that kind of career arc that does that and again maybe to your point coach is like the paranoia of losing your position or always having to scratch for a position has made you you know no one gets in and take reps from me i don't care who they are i don't want to lose this job i don't want the appearance of losing this job i had a boss once that did not like people sitting in her chair like if she was out of the office and they sat in her chair, it, it was a direct shot to her that you that you wanted her spot. Like, hey, what are you doing in my chair? And I'm like, I'm just sitting and testing it out. Oh, don't, don't test it out when I'm here, you know, because they, they just didn't want to see that. So for Tom and Matt knows this because because we kind of went through this extensively. but I'm not going to relive it here. But some of the comebacks, the drives, the games, Joe Cool was, you know, four and oh, I get it. Uh, Your guy beat lovey smith and rex grossman not to take any, anything away from that you know tom beat tom beat a couple of good teams i think he beat the maddie ice team uh when maddie ice was uh, mvp candidate or did he did he win the MVP? he won yeah he won that yeah after that lose after that loss he was not the same guy ever like he got like the patriots curse like he became like a shell of himself not the same guy i can watch that game to this day and still know the outcome and still think like how the hell did they lose this game You know, they were they were killing these guys. But again, you know, Tom beat some pretty good teams on his way, too. So I don't know how Francesca can say not the best Super Bowl quarterback. His Super Bowl stats alone is what a guy can have for a career. And there's a lot of guys out there that that have that.
1: So for one second, though, you you threw the Bears game in there, which that's fair. Beat Lovey Smith and Rex Grossman. But they beat Bill Belichick and Tom Brady to get to that game. Yeah. So we got to make sure we do that now. Now, all that being said, I do think that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT hands down. Uh, I think that the resume speaks for itself. It stands alone amongst all. I mean, the greatest of the greats. No argument for me.
0: But you're right, though, Cleve, the career arc part of it, I think, is very, very important because how many other 199s have made it to where he's made it? Not a lot. And I know Antonio Brown is an inflammatory personality, but he was another six-round pick who made the most of his opportunities. And I think that you spoke, I think both of you spoke to not wanting somebody to take reps from you. Tom was like that up until the very end. Mm -hmm. Never wanted anybody to take reps. And that's why he never really got along with guys like Jimmy G. I mean, he got along with him personally, but was never going to be the guy who was going to show the rookie how. To do it to take his place he was never that guy because he always had to fight for his positions on these teams and he constantly had to prove himself and i think that's an aspect of this that doesn't get talked about enough is tom had to prove himself and in- Coach, you talked about Peyton and Eli. Those guys were born. They're in a pedigree of being a quarterback. Tom wasn't that. His dad was not a quarterback at the professional level. Tom had to scratch and claw for everything that he had. And I think that's kind of what makes him so special is that he wasn't given the raw talent that a guy like Lamar Jackson has or even a guy like Aaron Rodgers has. He had to work. He wasn't the most talented guy in the room, but damn it, he was going to be the most dedicated and hardworking guy. And that's very similar to Michael Jordan. And ironically enough, they both retired twice. But the question, and I think that you can ask this, is is Tom Brady very equivalent to Michael Jordan in terms of winning because I think when we as a narrative talk about winning we always think of Michael Jordan but Tom Brady has to be up there will anybody supplant Michael Jordan or is Tom Brady just sort of going to be the football equivalent of that
2: with Jordan Jordan is an outlier to me because after watching the last dance and seeing the maniacal nature of of this man like making shit up in his head like this guy said something about me or this guy is against me so it's going to make me go harder I don't I don't see Tom using that a lot, a lot of the uh, the whiteboard material, but I do see I do see some similarities about the about winning, about being you know that guy and and staying that guy, staying relevant, staying the person. Tom again to to defend him in court is to say that you know the teams that he took to the Super Bowl, Peyton had Marvin Harrison, which is one of the greatest receivers I've ever seen brady had a cavalcade of guys coming in and out of that lineup some years you couldn't even name a guy as a number one or you had a number one and then there was just a couple of guys around that and they willed those teams obviously the the coaching uh plays a part in that and again dungy was a great coach for peyton so tom was blessed with having a great coach but again he had to go out and execute the game plan he had to go out and 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 play um so the, the jordan comparisons a of the last dance is kind of a little off for me because again Jordan took it to another level and another darker place where you know I think he was cut from his high school team didn't tell his his parents and then he was kind of like faking going to practice or whatever until so, but then his Hall of Fame speech he just he just flame based everyone on the way out <laughs> ripped everybody that was a classic oh man it was cringy. <laughs> It was actually very
0: cringy, but you, you, you bring up a good point there about both of those guys. And Michael is an outlier, but coach, I'd love to hear your thoughts.
1: So I think when it comes to between the lines, I think they're very similar as far as the way they compete and the intensity in which they compete. I think they elevate the their, their surrounding cast and the players around them, which makes them similar. But I do think to go back to some of the things that you've already highlighted off the field, off the court, they're different people. Mm-hmm. mj carries that shit around with him 24 7 um he'll probably have Still. he'll probably have someone throwing shade at people when they read his eulogy uh you know what i'm saying like where i feel like publicly tom brady's very very gracious and humble uh typically but once he's between the lines and the whistle blows you can that guy competes with an intensity that is unparalleled um besides people like michael jordan that you've seen and let's not let's not pretend that he did it completely by himself. I mean, I think there was a guy named Randy Moss that played up there for a little while. That was pretty good. And, uh, you know, you can't forget about Gronk either. And Peyton also, which one thing that people forget about, he actually played for two coaches in Indianapolis because uh, Jim Caldwell came in. And actually, I don't even know if Dungy, I have to check. I don't even know if Dungy is who drafted him. Dungy might not have been there when he was drafted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. But the, Cald- the Caldwell shift was pretty seamless, though. I mean, because he was already on staff.
2: So, and and coach, you might be able to verify this or not, or can fact check this. I heard stories that once that Peyton used to get the well, he wanted to critique the playbook or go through the playbook prior to OTA, so he would get it like our early advanced copy of it and pretty much say, "I'm not running this packages, I'm I'm running these," and kind of edit everything. That says, "Okay, this is what I'm this is what we're gonna run." So he's kind of like his own coach because his dad called his own plays for the most part, and that's what that's what to me separates Manning and Brady. If we have to break those two down, is because Ma- Manning had a command of the offense where he he can go different places within the playbook. Brady kind of stayed on script and just willed these guys to win. So that's where I would kind of make the difference, you know, if I had to defend them both. You know, Brady, um, (laughs) he's just a special cat, man. He's just, he's a different dude. But I think he has a little bit of that mic in him. Thinking about it now because of that barbershop episode when he said, you're sticking with that motherfucker. Like, like that. (laughs) That's like that inside. Like, hey, I'm better than that. Like, are you guys serious? That, That there's a, There's even like a hard pause here for me coming in. I should walk into that building and just be given the reins because of who I am and the pedigree that I bring.
0: And wasn't that quarterback Derek Carr? Didn't we finally figure that out?
2: I believe so. Yeah.
0: (laughs) By the way, he had a great line and we'll get to the Pro Bowl a little bit later, but he had a great line when he was asked about, have you ever been that hot? And he's like, clearly not, or else I'd be still playing in Vegas or whatever he had to say. So it was something like that. Yeah. But is Peyton Manning his greatest rival? And I'm talking about Tom Brady here.
1: Or is there an argument to be made that now it's Bill Belichick? I think it's Peyton. I think it's Peyton Manning. I mean, those guys duelled it out for a long time in mm-hmm. a lot of big football games, uh, that uh, meaningful games. And I don't think you could uh, take that away. I think both of those guys, if you asked them, would would say the same thing, truthfully. And and not to keep beating the drum about what's what's the same about those two or what makes them different, but like you said, Clevey, Brady kind of tended more to stay on script, and I do think he was a little more. Talented in his playmaking ability Not with his feet obviously But just a little more talented in his playmaking ability Than Peyton Manning Like Peyton beats you in the film room mm-hmm. Like he had you beat before the game started He knew who was going to be open He knew what plays to call He just had to get the ball there Where I think you know Tom had to make more plays um, Out of you know Not that they were going to have bad game plans I mean Bill Belichick's a genius But I think that you know Peyton's gift was He he had you beat before you ever stepped on the field
2: You think if you switch those guys You get similar outcome if you if if the arc was Peyton to to Belichick for all those years and then Brady to whoever was on the Colts.
1: I have no idea. That's that's such an interesting question to ask, because just what that dynamic, you know, I think that what helped Peyton through most of his tenure with Tony Dungy is Tony Dungy appears to be at least a very passive guy that was willing to put a lot of trust in Peyton to do his job where, you know, I don't know if you would have got that liberty with Bill. You know, I think Bill definitely respects talent and people who work hard, but I don't know if you would have got that freedom with Bill uh, like he got in Indianapolis. I think what made them
0: work is that they both were the way that they were. Yes. Peyton Manning was a different type of player. I would even call him almost a football savant. He was that smart with football. He didn't need a coach who could help him scheme. He was going to tell the coach how to scheme and, hey, Tony, do whatever you got to do with everything else. I've got the offense here. What made Bill and Brady so special was they were really a team and coming up. And remember that Brady documentary that they did talking about Ed Reed, how much respect they had for Ed Reed out on the field. And they would meet every Monday and talk about, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're on the same page. That was not a relationship Peyton Manning would have ever had with Bill Belichick. And I actually think it would have been almost toxic to that point to Bill would have been out. Bill would not have been the coach of the Patriots if he had actually been there. I'm talking about Peyton now. And I think that if Brady had gone to Indianapolis, that relationship wouldn't have been there. Number one, he wouldn't have had the system. Number two, he wouldn't have had the players. And I just think that it was a perfect storm of two people coming together with the right ideas, the right attitude. And I think that's what we're seeing now in in New England is Mac Jones doesn't really have that same attitude. He wants to be a little bit more Peyton Manning. Like it's not the way Bill Belichick coaches and he's been successful. So I just think that it would never have worked. And even though Peyton is immensely talented and Bill Belichick is very talented, it's a combination of those two things. And that's why I hate the Brady or Belichick debate, because it's
2: both of them together. It's not either or where I kind of you know take it to the next level is that we've seen Brady go to the Bucs hapless and drug these guys into a championship. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's his talent certainly is going to elevate a team. I don't think Arians even, you know, I mean, I joked up PF about that. Arians got a check for that year. He didn't he didn't coach shit. And the reason I say that is because in the Super Bowl, you saw the down the distance where Brady waved him off. He was changing personnel. Brady's like, "I, I, I, I got this coach. I kind of been in this this spot a couple of times. I think I think we're good here
1: that might have been one of the most talented teams that he's played on though uh, I would say with Tom Brady for sure Oh yeah, and at his age, he needed a team that was that talented.
0: But I think the last thing on Tom that's that's not talked about as well is he played through different eras. Michael Jordan did not. Michael Jordan was in the same era pretty much or relatively close by. Tom has played in eras that are completely different. And even he has given credence to that, that it's a lot easier to play now than it was when he was in his 20s. And some of the hits that he took back then, the hits that receivers took, the game was a lot more physical back then. It was much different. Now the quarterback is protected. And I think that that lends itself to the quarterbacks being more long in the tooth in terms of staying in the league longer, but he was able to do that And speaking of eras, Cleve, we have the Hall of Fame coming up. And it's something you're very, very passionate about every year. And I want to share the finalists with you guys because this is the finalist class. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that here. Pretty stacked class. And I think somebody that will stand out to Cleve is Darrell Rivas, who famously went to the Patriots, got himself a chip, went back and fleeced the Jets for a huge contract that they never saw coming. Too soon. And boy, (laughs) mercenary of all mercenaries. But it's not really about the names this year for me. But Cleve, you always take offense every year to guys that have been left out. And it really comes down to the fact that only a select few get in every year. I think it's seven. So I wanted to hear your thoughts initially on what makes a Hall of Famer to you? Cause I know you have debated this time and time again with me and others.
2: So for me it's 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 not a popularity a popularity contest. It's it's uh sometimes the innovation. It's a player that is that is changing, franchise changing, or like the Dion's where half the field was taken away where you can't throw to that that's that side of the field. Or a running back that's just gonna grind you to a halt because you just can't you can't speed the game up around them. You know, so lockdown corners, that type of thing. Like so the pitcher Guys here, Rivas, Joe Thomas, and is, is that Freeney? Yes. And again, coach, it's your guy. <laughs> it's it, it's your guy. We we both got a guy up here. I'm looking at this list, and I don't I don't necessarily make a case for Jared Allen, um, because those those Vikings teams were. I mean, I guess I guess he was it. I don't have a problem with this list per se for this year. This is the finalist list. So they still have to vote on this. Yeah. So Jared Allen is probably the one that for me stands out where I, I don't know if he's a, I'm not saying he's not a hall of famer, but maybe I don't know the the list of people that didn't make the cut to this level. But to answer your question, um, Matt, uh, to me, it's, it's, it's again, you know, something that changed again. Like for me, I think Michael Vick is a hall of famer. And people look at his numbers, accuracy, his you know the winning percentage, stuff like that. But again, he changed the game. He changed the game for for the Lamars of the world. He changed the games for for some of these other quarterbacks that um that are you know fearless to run out of the pocket. But he he did have an arm. I think with with someone like him, just using him as a as a, a test subject here, that he didn't he didn't put into the studying. He didn't put into the practice. He didn't. Put, he was just raw talent. And, you know, that, that got him that far. But to me, the Hall of Fame is always um, guys that that change the game. The worst, the worst position you can have as a Hall of Famer is being a wide receiver. It's such a log jam for those guys. Those guys, every year or every time this comes up, you can make an argument for a lot of guys not going where a lot of guys go for. Look at Andre Johnson. Those Texans teams weren't great, but he was great. <laughs> you know, he was great. You know, so, yeah, you got to look at it like that um but for me in a nutshell you changed the game you were you were a someone someone was scheming for you hey where's this guy at on the field or, or, or we have to draw a circle around him on the whiteboard. Like, hey, this guy can't kill us this Sunday.
1: No, those are good takes. And you know when you talk about that, I was looking at the list as you were mentioning, you know, guys changing the game. And I'm sure you could make an argument for every guy on that list, um, an impact they had on the game or um, how important they were when it came to game planning and scheming. But ones that kind of jumped off the page, obviously Darrell Rivas uh, was a guy you always had to know where he was when the ball was snapped. And then to bring up, you know, my guys, you know, Dwight Freeney's on there. Now, obviously, Dwight Freeney, an all-time great pass rusher, but someone, if they wanted to argue against him, could say, well, yeah, but the Colts were usually up by three touchdowns, which allowed him to just be able to tee off and go do his thing. Did he, you know, was how much was that him or how much was that the offense setting him up to be able to do that? But I mean, there've been a lot of other pass rushers that have played for teams that lead a lot that don't do what he was able to do. So that's one I could see making an argument either way for, and even Reggie Wayne, like you said, one receiver's a log jam, but two, you could say, well, how much, you know, is it, is it the fact that you're great, which I mean, Reggie Wayne's great, or is it that you had one of the greatest quarterbacks ever play the game, throwing you the ball and you were lined up opposite one of the best receivers ever played the game and Marvin Harrison, you know, so a lot of times you were probably had the number two corner covering you with number one receiver talent and yourself and one of the best quarterbacks ever. So there's a lot of factors you could look into to pick a guy apart if you wanted to. One that kind of caught my attention though was Devin Hester. And initially I'm like, no. But then when you started talking about changing the game, and having an impact on the game field position field position i mean he changed the way people treated kickoffs i mean you did not want to kick the ball to that dude ever i mean the colts found that out the opening kickoff of the super bowl (laughs) uh when he took it back to the house i mean obviously it didn't still didn't work out for him but uh you know tony dungy talks about how like Last minute, someone talked him into kicking the ball to him. That all week long, they talked about how they weren't going to kick the ball to him. No way, not a chance. And somehow, like in the locker room before the game, someone's like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just kick it to him and, and we'll stop him or whatever. And then he housed it. By the
0: way, you guys want a great poll here. Dwight Freeney was on that Falcons team that blew the lead to the Patriots in 2016. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But I think, when it comes, I, I think when it comes to the Hall of Fame, though, I, I think that there are guys that, for whom statistics are a major factor in it, right? Like we can look at their stats and know that they are great. But then there's also guys that have both stats and greatness. They change the game. I know I know, Cleve, you initially were not big on Calvin Johnson being a first ballot Hall of Famer. But then when you started to think about just how different he was and every other guy contemporary during the time in which he played and for the crappy teams that he played on, his career is then put into perspective. And a guy that is on this list, Torrey Hulk. That you've been advocating for for years when you see that he was on the greatest show on turf a lot of other great players there and then he becomes part of that log jam that you talked about because there are so many other great players in and around him that type of thing and i think that it comes down to sometimes notoriety like michael vick is famous because he changed the way that the game was perceived. Lamar Jackson gets to be Lamar Jackson today because Randall Cunningham and Michael Vick made it so, really. And I think those things are taken into account. If you look at the NBA and you look at basketball, a guy like Yao Ming gets in, not because he was statistically dominant won a ton of championships, but because he brought the game to China. He brought the game overseas and that changed the functionality of the NBA completely and it can't be disputed. I think what makes the NFL Hall of Fame so awesome to me is that it's a committee that actually thinks about this and they debate guys. And the famous story, Peyton Manning was 13 seconds. That's how long it took them to do it. It's 13 seconds too long, in my opinion, but uh, <laughs> the the idea that they, they talk about these and these guys get consideration Instead of baseball, where it's a bunch of writers who maybe have a personal vendetta against this guy and say "fuck him," I'm not going to vote him in. I like this method a lot better because I think these guys, whether they make it in or not, they get true consideration in front of people who I think respect the game and know the
2: game. Now, my my only rub every year, because I'm you know I'm 49 years old, is a lot of the old timers. I don't think on that list that you had up. I don't I don't see a name from yesteryear at all. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's some guys that don't get in. I don't even see contributors or or, or whatever that they normally would put up. But
1: There's a separate list, I think. Okay. Of the, I believe so, because I looked it up earlier. There's a there's a few guys, because they call it something different. They call it, like, legends or something. Or something like uh, that. Okay. Or, or whatever. And there's three or four guys. I can't recall their names. And then there was one person that was up for consideration as a contributor.
2: And to your point, Matt, the exclusive entry to this club, obviously there's thousands upon thousands of guys who have played in the nfl right and you only get this handful of people that go in every year right you have to wait your turn or whatever you know the tory holt one is is one he wasn't a trailblazer but he was pivotal on those teams you know kurt Kurt depended on him a lot him and isaac bruce was pretty much the the bookends on the outside Freeney, he had was it mathis yeah so you had a great guy on the other end pushing you some of that traffic where he's flushing the guy to your side and you do that. I wouldn't have gone with, uh, you guys are up big and you know, he can do that. I would say Freeney gets in over Allen. And that's just my, my take of the dominance because I remember those teams. Um, I mean, you guys had, uh, what was the guy? You had a hard hitting safety and it's uh Bob, um, Bob Sanders, Bob Sanders. Yeah. Like those, that defense was ridiculous. But our Minnesota, I can't name another guy other than Jared Allen. So you got to do a lot. And I get it. You have to do a lot.
0: But even looking at this list, there are two guys that stand out to me for different reasons. First one is Patrick Willis, because I think Patrick Willis retired at like 29 or 30 and he was one of those guys that started this trend of certain players being like, you know, I've gotten mine and I'm gonna get out. And Cleve and I've talked about Aaron Donald and how after that Super Bowl, I might have just pieced out of the league because I got mine, I'm relatively young. Let me live my life. The other one is Joe Thomas, because Joe Thomas has been famous for losing. He has lost a lot in his career. And almost every other guy on this list has either been to the promised land or sniffed it, been very, very close. Joe Thomas, I'm not even sure he made the playoffs, but maybe one time. And so When you talk about championships not mattering, ask Joe Thomas if he would trade in some of the longevity that he had for one championship, just one, or even playing in one.
1: Yeah, he's like Barry Sanders without the records, right? I mean... A great player that was the best at his position in the league for his Consensus. His, whole dura- his whole duration in the league, but played for a really, really terrible team. Yes. And I wonder, part of me wonders if sort of his personality post-retirement, he's been very controversial in the media about different topics. I wonder if like, if that plays and it shouldn't it shouldn't fucking matter because it had nothing to do with what he did on the field but you wonder sometimes if any of that stuff creeps into people's minds
0: he knows what produces clicks it's why we have you on the show man all that <laughs> afc north grit and all those fucking hot takes that you're out here with shitting on billy packer last week but I think it's always interesting because for us, as we get older and we start thinking about the past a lot more. I know I do. And looking at this list, I was in college when a lot of these guys were playing, and now they're gonna be in the hall of fame. And you know what? A lot of these guys were drafted, had a whole career and are hall of fame eligible, and Tom Brady was still fucking playing. That's just amazing That's to me. It isn't it
2: though. That's crazy. I mean
0: Calvin Johnson had that. He was he played in college, was drafted, had a career and became eligible and
2: voted into the Hall of Fame in Tom Brady's career. Jalen Hurts played his entire career up to this point and <laughs> didn't, didn't see the Cowboys greatness. Nope.
0: <laughs> a lot of people haven't that are young and watching football. But let's move on to the Pro Bowl. And I don't want to belabor this, but I do want to get some of these takes out of here because... The Pro Bowl was something that was prestigious. I think all of us grew up in a time period in which we watched the Pro Bowl. I think it meant something. It seemed to mean something to the players. And even back 10 or 15 years ago, all-star games in our major sports actually did matter some. But now the Pro Bowl has become a joke, I would actually say. And they have struggled for, gosh, the last 10 years figuring out what to do with it. And I decided to tune in on a replay this year just to kind of see what it was all about. And I have to say, I was offended as a fan of football for this because these guys are gladiators in their sport. They give their bodies and their brains for this sport. And they have them doing shit like water balloon toss. Like, I just don't even know what to do with that. Like, this is the best that we can come up with And should we just get rid of the Pro
2: Bowl altogether? The last one I watched was when Sean Taylor brought brought the wood with him. That was the last one I actually watched. After that, I stopped watching the Pro Bowl, to be honest with you. I didn't care for it. Um, I know these guys, you know, they got a vacation to Hawaii or wherever they went. And that was it. But again, you guys, you know, these, these guys played 18 weeks of football, most of them. And then another add the preseason in there, or whatever, a couple of games there. And you're asking them to play football, some more football. So I get I get what why they want to do something else with it. But yeah, Matt, like a water balloon. Like, come on. Like, I mean, just stop.
1: Stop. Yeah, I think the NFL is having a hard time trying to figure out what to do because football is unique in the way that it's so physical. So you can't play it in the middle of the season like you do in all the other major sports. And even at this point in time in the year, you don't want to go out there and and suffer some sort of serious injury because it could put you out for next season. And then another thing that is a factor is football is not one of those things you could just show up and play, Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to scheme, there's game planning, and that's why the Pro Bowl is not a good game because it's such a generic game plan. Uh, It's basically, I mean, it is, it's a glorified scrimmage on its most basic, simple level. You know, they're showing up. Every guy knows how to run inside zone, outside zone, run a few passing concepts, and that's it. There's no game planning to avoid Darrell Rivas or Darrell Rivas. My goodness. Daryl or his brother Daryl, either one. Jesus. <laughs> We're back to uh Jake Herbert, Justin Herbert. <sighs> so Lamar Chase. And Lamar Chase. I mean just all the great man. I think that the fact that football doesn't lend itself to like a pickup game, at least at the pro level, it makes it hard to have any sort of respectable Pro Bowl all-star game type of event. So I do think they're grasping at straws trying to figure out what to do with it. Now, I think it should still exist, at least in theory, as like an honor, like you're you're an all-pro in that sense. but.
2: Yeah, just name yeah, just name guys to it and call it a day. But to give a guys, a, 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 what is it, seventy six thousand, eighty six thousand dollars for the winners, and then forty something for the losers? That's pocket change for for these guys. That's pocket change for some of these guys. There's no there's no guy out there that's panhandling for that kind of money, risking blowing the knee out or 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 you know breaking their back or whatever. But again, even a flag football game is still still a little risque. <laughs> yeah, you want to say that. Oh man, a couple
0: of plays, I was like, Chris, if I were a coach on one of these clubs, I'd be like, why is my guy out there doing this? And she's like, exactly. Yeah, but they could get her doing anything at any time. And I'm like, yeah, but this is avoidable. Like, this is completely avoidable. You do not have to go to this. This is not something you're required to do. And I mean, Tyreek Hill got laid out in this game. He is the number one receiving option for Tua, and they're on thin ice as it is. And do you really want this guy taking a big hit in a flag football game that doesn't matter for anything?
1: Right. I tell you what they should do. What be more? What would be more entertaining and probably? serve an actual purpose to some degree take the bottom 20 percent of players in the league and put them on the field they're they're going to be willing to play for that extra cash probably because they're probably not very well paid and it's one last chance for them to maybe demonstrate their skills and and stay on a team or make a different roster going into next year let's do it the eli
0: apple invitational is that what i'm hearing
1: (laughs) i think it'd be wonderful I'd tune in to watch.
0: You would, man. You also want to see guys from the steam fitters outfit playing football up in Pittsburgh and Cleveland with the AFC North. You want to see the big, you know, smokestacks behind them. Man, you're into all this other kinky shit. I'm not even sure I can get into this <laughs> right now. But... I will say this, though, I do like watching some of the skills competition, but when they're actual skills like I was watching Jared Goff and I'm like, you know, this guy got a, a bad rap for the way that he played in or with the Rams. And this guy can throw a dime, Like right? This guy has a lot of skill throwing the football. So that kind of stuff I do find a little bit fun and they did seem to be having fun with it. But overall, yeah, it's an honor. And you know what? Instead of giving these guys 80 grand, maybe give them health care. Five, past five years after they've retired maybe some shit like that maybe take care of them hey you make the pro bowl we'll make sure that your life is not fucked up for the rest of eternity because of what you gave to this game maybe do something like that nfl you know just a thought just a thought
2: and then the coaches that they name the, the celebrity coaches is always is is that guy what's the, what's the comedian's name they're gonna date kim kardashian i never remember his fucking name Oh, Pete Davidson. Yeah. And then Snoop. Snoop, I would say more has more credibility, a street cred with that because he was coaching, you know, he's he has like the his little league and all of that. And uh, he's involved around the country with with football programs for the most part. But I'm like to make these two guys the honorary whatever celebrity coaches or whatever you want to call that. It's just it's a spectacle amongst itself i would just name the guys to it and call it a day you know if you want to make the skills competitions really good then let's do that where these guys are gonna you know this receiver is gonna pair with this this corner or this safety and it's just them on a route and then see who, who can win the route or, or whatever or have quarterbacks just go through a trivia thing where they got plays for a situation down the distance and they got three three chances here for a successful play based on what the fans voted okay 94 percent of the fans would have voted for this play you pick that play and if you picked another play then defend why you picked that other play so we can see the mind of a quarterback what these guys are seeing out there you know like peyton would be great at coaching up that because again he's you know he's dissecting he's looking at nuances like this guy's feet are flat here on this route i'm gonna beat him to the post Shit like that it's just to watch these guys just play more football I get it, but I'm like to matt's point for what? Like you and then you're unprotected. Like you're not even wearing pads. Like you you can roll your ankle, you know, roll your shoulder. Like you can they shit can happen to you.
1: I think it should be more about the fan experience yeah. and they should have an area where you could bring out, you could pay your $20 to try to block JJ Watt. <laughs> Man, it's got dark Or tackle Derrick Henry. <laughs> All right, to tackle Derek Henry, yes, or line up and and cover, you know, one of the great receivers in the league or whatever the case. I think that would be fantastic. Uh, Another thing I would pay a good amount of money to watch.
0: Yes, but you know what else would be fantastic, gentlemen? is watching an actual football game that matters, and that is the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. I don't want to get too much into it because we all, three of us, will be on a fun little broadcast on Sunday. However, one of the stories coming into the game is Eagles offensive lineman Josh Sills getting indicted on rape and kidnapping charges. Man, you never want to see that and talk about the worst possible fucking time.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't know a lot of the details here. You guys are going to, I mean, I've seen the story, but uh, beyond that, I I don't know. I mean, all I'll say on the surface, like you said, it looks terrible. I mean, yeah, the timing is terrible, but either way, whether this happened now or happened in April, it's awful. And it's just, it's sad to see.
2: It always behooves me to, th- to think of when something like that lays for dormant for so long. And then at the, like you said, coach, the timing of like when this is, gets released. I mean, this, this guy's on the precipice of playing one of the greatest games of his life. Probably for, you know, this only time that he probably could do this. And if he if, if he is guilty of any of this, then rightfully so that he should not participate. But if he's charged and he's not, you know, he's not convicted yet. Do you do you let him play? Do Because, you, you know, uh, media, day, they, they're all over this. Like they're, that's going to be the question that he gets when they come to his booth. Hey, so did you do it? Did you not do it? How are you feeling? Can you speak on it? Shit like that. Shit, if he's even there. He might not even be allowed to be with the
0: team. I think in today's day and age, these teams stay far away from that kind of stuff, unless you're the Cleveland Browns.
1: <laughs> Man. Exactly. And that's, that's what sucks, though. That's a good point, Cleve, is what happens in these circumstances. Do you say, okay, well, we can't have a guy on the field that may be guilty of this? Yeah. But what if he doesn't play and it comes, you know, he gets exonerated and there you go. You've taken away this guy's only chance to ever participate in the Super Bowl. Now, obviously, as we all agree, I think that if he's guilty, then he should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law and should not be a member of the National Football League in any capacity. But it's just it is interesting. It's (laughs) something you do have to consider, especially with the timing uh, of everything. I mean, don't forget Bill
0: Belichick famously benched Malcolm Butler in a Super Bowl for something less than rape and kidnapping charges. So I think coaches are not above doing something like that, but I'm not sure how much effect this will actually have on the game. And I actually am kind of intrigued by this game. At first, I wasn't really jazzed about the matchup, but when I thought about it, Brady retiring to go back to the top of the show. And now this Super Bowl is showcasing the future of the NFL. And I think when we look at the players that are anchoring the future in terms of quarterback we're in a really good spot. We're going to be watching a lot of football and a lot of great football over the next hopefully 15 or 20 years. And the the line has come down, Coach. It's now minus one and a half for the Eagles. So America's still very much liking the Eagles. And I just want to get your thoughts on how you guys feel about this matchup in terms of its marketability and whether you're excited for it. Cleve, to you first.
2: A couple of things jump out at me for it. Andy Reid is going to play his old team. Yes. You know, that he that he had his fingerprints on for so long and he's going to hopefully go back there. And and uh, I'm sorry, when when they win, you know, that that, that his, his name is 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 out there with that. The Kelsey brothers, basically, you know, I mean, when I, I'm pretty sure brothers have played in the Super Bowls before. I mean, if you go back long enough, there's been that many games where you will find some some people that are related that play. But then also uh, we have two African-American quarterbacks um going head to head and to your point matt you got two young guys um who, who had great seasons you know i looking back at patrick mahomes numbers i'm like wow low-key he threw for five thousand yards like what <laughs> holy shit i had no you know i that was quiet, you know. That was quiet, you know. And you know, Jalen hurts the MVP season that he had. And again, I, you know, I, I look at that different. Just like like the Hall of Fame, is it a popularity contest, or you the real MVP to your team? Uh, so I'm looking at two guys that could have been MV, MVP, uh, playing head to head in a great game. I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, usually Super Bowls, eh, you know, you kind of see the same guys, or whatever again. But this one seems it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty
1: pretty pretty awesome. And what I see in addition to all the things that you mentioned Cleve is as I thought more about the game I was a little heartbroken coming off a championship weekend. It didn't play out as I would have liked to see but you know the two best teams are there and there's two great quarterbacks and kind of it's funny we've covered this span in this episode. It's beginning the episode talking about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning specifically. We're going to get the opportunity Sunday to see two quarterbacks who who play the game very differently than these greats that we started the episode talking about. You know, Tom Brady goes out as you mentioned Iceman, Man and and here comes Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes and he's got a Super Bowl under his belt already. This will be his third appearance. So he's not necessarily new on the scene. So often we've seen maybe a young quarterback that use their legs more often to play the game differently versus a traditional pocket passer uh, and now it seems that the game maybe is finally fully shifted almost to, you know, where these types of quarterbacks that that can use their legs and that are able to make plays in such a dynamic way that, that that's really what's taken over the game and and that's exciting you know to see that especially on the heels of saying goodbye to some of the greats uh, that have played the position and and how it's evolved right we've we've seen this position go from where you had one randall cunningham to we could sit here and probably list off a dozen guys that play the position the way these guys play and i mean and even you know you could even say that about you know, josh allen josh allen Uses his legs all the time. He's a great passer. He, he, his legs help him make plays with his arm. Patrick Mahomes, his legs help him make plays with his arm. And it's it's fun to watch because it adds a whole new phase of the game. And ultimately defenses are going to have to evolve because of it to accommodate for it, especially if it becomes more and more prevalent, uh, where it's not just a uh, I don't know what you want to call it, a phase or something like that. I think it's here to stay and, and it's exciting stuff.
2: Matt and I are big boxing fans, and you don't stand in front of a guy to go toe to toe when you don't have to. So having some movement, having some, having some uh some wiggle, as Dave liked to say, on PS having some wiggle in there somewhere coach you made a very good point that you got two quarterbacks that are that are not traditionally going to do what what the yesteryear quarterbacks did you know standing in there and taking hits I mean Mahomes might with his leg not being uh, was ankle not being fully fully healed there but uh, should be exciting totally agree with you guys
0: now the three of us are going to be breaking this down from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock coach and I are going to start off the big game pre-show bedlam on Sunday We are going to start off with a few things that I want to talk about. The Icy Awards, Cleve, we are going to be giving out five awards during this show, including but not limited to Biggest Balls of the Year, the DB Cooper Award of the Year, and also Coach and I together will be giving out Player of the Year. We're also going to hear what I call the Cacophony of Gasbaggery, which will be a montage of all of mine and coach's greatest lines since we started this show back in October. (laughs) And we're also going to get into a little bit of football films discussion, maybe even drafting some skilled position players from football movies over the course of history. Oh, that's dope. I agree. Either way, it is going to be fun, but we still have one more bit of business before we get out of here. As is tradition every single week on this show, we have OTW and we will start off as always with Iceman Stat of the Year. Now, gentlemen, if you will indulge me, I have four different stats this time because when a goat goes out, you have to give him the proper flowers, as Cleve would say. Now, first things first, so something that everybody might not remember about Tom Brady, but he was drafted to play baseball at one time and he was drafted by the Montreal Expos, which is a franchise that no longer exists. It is now the Washington Nationals. Well, with Tom Brady announcing his retirement, there are no more any active pro athletes who were drafted by the Montreal Expos. So rest in peace, Montreal Expos forever. Tom Brady was holding the flag for you the last 23 years. With Tom Brady's retirement, there is only one active quarterback with multiple Super Bowl rings. Do either of you know who it is? Multiple. Is it Jimmy G? It is Jimmy Garoppolo. Wow. That is correct. Okay, this is actually a real stat on Tom. In NFL history, there have been 144 players who have thrown at least 100 touchdown passes. 48 of those have thrown at least 200 touchdown passes. 14 of those have reached 300 touchdowns. And eight quarterbacks have thrown for 400 plus touchdowns in NFL history. Four have eclipsed 500 touchdowns. Tom Brady has
2: 649. See, <laughs> this is this is where Francesca's comments a criminal because he didn't do his homework god that that's that's impressive jesus
0: you will never hear me not doing my homework and Cleve, this last stat of the week is for you in nfl history in the super bowl era there are four teams who have gone to at least one super bowl and are undefeated in the super bowl those teams are the baltimore ravens the tampa bay buccaneers the New Orleans Saints and your New York Jets. One and zero. My friends, it is time for Coach's Pick of the Week. Last week, pissing on the grave of famed announcer Billy Packer, Coach decided to pick two mid-majors, and he picked the St. Mary's Gales to defeat the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And you know what? In overtime, the Gales prevailed 78-70, to bringing the coach nearly 500, 7-8-2. And, and with two more picks left before the end of this football season, coach, please
1: bless us with another Picketh of the week. Hear ye, hear ye. Gambling degenerates as always. I'm glad to have you back with us this week. I will tell you this one insider tip. There is no gambling market that is more right for the picking than NCAA men's basketball. There are so many games that happen throughout the week. There's no way that Vegas can be right on all of them and we're going to strike it big again this week. We're going to the Big Ten Conference. The number 24 ranked Rutgers Scarlet Knights traveled just down the road from me to visit the Illinois Fighting Illini who are playing pretty well this year. They've had a few bumps in the road. They've got a young squad, but I am going to take the Illini straight up over the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers.
0: The Rutgers Scarlet Knights somehow ranked in the top 25 in anything over the University of Illinois. Fighting Illini, coach, so let it
1: be written. Don't do me dirty like that. Don't do me dirty like that. (laughs) Illinois over Rutgers. Come on now. Illinois over rutgers. You trying to make the record worse?
0: So let it be done. and my friends we have reached another hour the end is nigh to get our medieval ass on and Cleve, you are the co-host of political football and i wanted to give you a moment to either talk about that or about another podcast that you have that you have had since the beginning of the pandemic so this is your minute to show and tell everybody what you're all about
2: so i host the a show called the manual it has been a great platform for me to kind of get some things off my chest to to kind of talk about things that happen in 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 the world in real time to kind of reflect on 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 the life that i've that i live basically so i it is a show that's near and dear to me um matt and i are currently uh working on some some rebranding and and refreshing and kind of bringing it full circle to something newer for that Being part of the political football family, uh, I share that show with Scott and Dave. Matt was actually on the show with us before, and uh, it is a great uh, way for us to kind of go back through the games. But I love what you guys are doing here in this spot. It actually makes me strive to to step my my um, game up, so to speak. No pun intended for but for me to get uh, on the ball no pun intended again it's been fun man i podcasting is something that um that is that has been near and dear to me and it's just something I'm still learning and and I'm still growing at and I definitely appreciated my time getting on with you guys I've been waiting for an invite for the longest because as Matt would tell you and I've been waiting to meet coach because I've, I've been watching I'm a fan of the work I drive to Delaware you know every weekend and this show is on in the car it's on rotation.
0: Coach, he loves what we're doing despite me completely mutilating your pick of the week not more than two minutes ago.
1: Well, you know, if anything, I need to go back maybe and check the archives. That record might be wrong. You could have done me dirty a few times this year and I just hadn't even noticed. But uh, Cleve, Cleve, though, it's been an absolute pleasure. And you said, you know, you have a passion for podcasting and, and that's a passion that I've been able to develop over the last year and a half or so. And one of my favorite things, as I've said several times, is the people that I've gotten to meet uh, throughout this process. And that's people like, uh, like Matt and yourself now and being able to grow those relationships and just get to know uh not just people who share the same passion for podcasting but just all around good human beings you know and uh there's, there's a shortage of, jo- of those in the world, I think. And so the more I can put in my corner, the better. And uh, this is a, a way to do that. So it's been a real pleasure. Loved having you on. I'm certain we'll have you on Thank you in the future for sure. And I'll need to make sure myself to hop on and check out Political Football a little bit more. Obviously, your other podcast that you do too. Make sure. well, can you toss me that name out one more time?
0: I was going to say that the name wasn't important enough for you to remember. That's good.
1: <laughs> I've heard <laughs> Political Football a lot, so it's just ingrained. It's called The Manual. Gotcha. All right, The Manual. i didn't want to butcher it i figured this admitting i didn't remember what it was is better than butchering
2: it we keep it very simple we're actually working on the on, on, a, on a name to to kind of because uh you know to matt's point you know sometimes it's hard to find certain things when you have a name that generic uh so yeah we're working on i'm i'm, I'm, I'm very receptive and very open and again we started this journey together and it's been um it's been it's been one hell of a ride man I'm, i can't wait to see where it goes
0: It certainly is not over. So if you want to support Cleve, definitely check him out. The Manual Political Football. You can find those wherever you find your podcasts. Always support the Pub Time podcast. They go live usually every week. Brad, you guys have been doing a lot of fun stuff. So find them wherever you find your podcasts. Please support this show on Apple and Spotify. Click that follow button. Give us a little bit of rating. Even if it's one star, I'd prefer one star over nothing. So don't say nothing. Don't be silent. And please visit MattySmedia.com to support all the other podcasts as a part of our network. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure to the listeners. I hope this finds you well. Hope that this finds you safe. And until next week, this is Iceman and Coach. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on the Iceman and Coach Sports Show are those of Matt Freights, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. The Iceman and Coach Sports Show is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.